0: All right, tonight we're starting week 25. Uh, The lesson is called, So Walk the Walk, So Walk the Walk. Uh, We're in Judges, moving along to Judges chapter 1 uh, through chapter 3, verse 8. As always, we're not going to have a chance uh, to read all of those verses tonight, but I would encourage you to go home and read those verses, maybe tonight, maybe over the course of the week. Uh, Judges chapter 1 through chapter 3, verse 8. Uh, The key point of our lesson tonight where the Israelites had solemnly promised to walk with God over time and in the absence of godly leaders, they frequently rebelled against God. That's the point we're gonna see, the main thing we're gonna highlight in our study tonight. All right, as we begin tonight, remember this, think about this, as the book of Joshua ends, God has delivered his people into the promised land. That's a marvelous thing, that's a miraculous thing, God's word is held true. So as the book of Joshua ends, they find themselves in the promised land. Once they were there, they were commanded a couple of things. First thing, they were commanded uh, to to possess the land, to take possession of the land. They were to take control of the land and to force out its pagan inhabitants. Now, that seems like a hard thing, uh, but as a judgment against them, God is forcing them out, and it's a blessing to God's people that they would be Uh, isolated in his truth. And so they were to have a land, there were to be a people in that land. Well, part of their command is to possess the land, to remain separate. Now, there's actually very strict commands in that process. God said they weren't supposed to intermarry with the pagan people. They weren't to mix their cultures, their customs with the pagan people. And for sure, they were not to worship their gods in any way, any form they weren't to take in their idols. They weren't to participate in the worship of their false gods. God's people, as they go into the promised land, were to be different. The Bible says they were to be holy, uh, a word that means set aside. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about this. Still today, that truth still stands for God's people. For us as followers of Christ, we are to be different. The Bible's very clear in that. As followers of Christ, we're to have different priorities. Uh, We're to have different actions because of that, different language because of that. Really, we're to have different hearts uh, than the world that we exist in because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, that change, that difference is supposed to be so noticeable that it actually points to God. Now, think about that. We are supposed to live today so different differently than the world that it points to God. We're not to look like the culture we exist in. Now, we talked about it last week, I wanna bring it back up tonight. And when we do, when we look like the world, when we compromise, it reflects poorly on the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. When we believe the gospel, the Bible says we are new creations in Christ. When we look like the world, it reflects poorly on the gospel. It reflects poorly on our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so it does matter how we live. Sometimes we live in a day where people say, well, you've trusted Christ, you're going to heaven. It doesn't really matter after that. It does matter how we live. It mattered then. They were to be a separate people, and it matters today. We also are to be a a different people. Their differentness, I don't know if that's a word, but their differentness and our differentness is to be a testimony that points to God. You know what? They must follow the one true God. They must follow a living God. There's a change in their heart, and that change points to, is a testimony to the, the one true living God. The world's complaint, if you, if you think about it, against Christians today, oftentimes is, well, y'all are no different. You do, you do business like we do, you treat people the way we do, we can't see any difference. We're supposed to be different as followers of Christ, and that difference is to point to our Savior, Jesus. As the book of Joshua ends, remember the account. He calls the people together, and he reminds them of all God has done. Now, that happens in Scripture several places, but he tells them God did this, and then God did that, and he led us there, and he took us here, and we had quail, and we had manna, and when we needed water, we had water, when we needed direction, he himself led us and he reminds them of all God has done. All of this stuff. Now, we study this lesson and we think, well, that's just Bible stuff. We know that. It's actually unimaginable stuff. Uh, Parts the Red Sea. uh, Parts the Jordan River. Defeats the enemies there at Jericho. Crazy stuff. Awesome stuff. God has been faithful. So the reminder is God has been faithful. God is trustworthy. Then, having said all of that, Joshua calls them to decide. He says, decide for yourself whom you're going to follow. You can follow the gods of your fathers. Uh, you can follow the gods of the people, of the land that we're about to go into. You can follow these false gods, or you can worship the one true God. He says, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. The famous verse, "As for me in my house We will serve the Lord. Tells them that God's faithful, presents them with that truth, reminds them of that, calls them to make a decision. Decide right now whom you're going to serve, either the false God or the one true God. Now, if you remember at that point, they say overwhelmingly, yes, we're going to follow God. They're excited about hearing the things that God has done. Yes, we're going to honor God. God. Well, at that point, that's where we kind of stop. It's now up to them to walk in obedience. They've been presented with the decision. They've said what their decision is going to be. It's now up to them to walk in obedience. Now, we saw this Sunday night. Um, obedience is a choice. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. If you're going to walk with God or not walk with God, that is a choice. Disobedience is not somehow forced on you. And in the same way, obedience is not somehow forced on you. You're the one that decides you choose, either you're gonna trust God, believe God and seek to honor God and you're gonna walk that out in obedience or you're gonna do the opposite of that. You're not gonna trust God. You're not gonna take God at his word and you're gonna walk in disobedience. Well, these people hearing Uh, the the promises and the the blessings of God forced with a decision, they say, we're going to follow God. It's their choice now. It's their decision now. They're in the promised land. The question is, what are they gonna do? Well, here they go. Here, Here we see what they do. They're supposed to take possession of the land, drive out the pagans that live there, not to intermix, and they're supposed to be separate. They're to be holy. That's what they're called to do. Now I want you to watch this. In Judges now, chapter 1, starting in verse 27. But Manasseh did not take possession of Bethsheen and its villages, or Tanakh and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, or the inhabitants of Elbium and its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages. So the Canaanites persisted in living in that land. Verse 28, it came about when Israel became strong, that they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not drive them out completely. Verse 29, Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites who were living in Gezir. So the Canaanites lived in Gezir among them. Verse 30, Zebulun. Did not drive out the inhabitants of Kitron or the inhabitants of Nahol, so the Canaanites lived among them and became subject to forced labor. Verse 31. Asher did not drive out the inhabitants of Acho, or the inhabitants of Sidon or Olab or Akzeb or Helba or Aphek or Rehob. Verse 32. So the Asherites lived among the Canaanites and the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Verse 33. It just keeps going. Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh or the inhabitants of Beth Anoth, but lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. And the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath became forced labor for them. Over and over again, each of these tribes, they go to the land that they're to possess and they do not drive the people out. They live with them. They, some of them, they take slaves, they force into, into labor, But they did not do what God said. They do not force them out. They let them remain in the land. Here's the the bottom line. They were disobedient. They left God's plan. God had a plan. He told them what to do. They were disobedient. They left God's plan. Now, the question is, why did they do that? And I, I don't know exactly why they did that. I think about they could have thought they knew better well, you know what? It's better to have slaves. It's better to have, leave some of these folks here to work for us. Uh, they could have been tired. You know what? We've been fighting and we've been marching and we've been pushing folks out. We're tired. Uh, maybe they didn't believe what God said. And, and you know what? It's not going to matter. God said it would, but, but we don't really believe God. Maybe they were just in rebellion. God said this. We've been doing all these things. We're done doing those things. I'm not sure what the reason is, but for whatever reason, They did not obey God. They didn't take God at his word. They did not walk in obedience. Let me read this. We read this last week again. Judges chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. When Joshua had dismissed the people, he calls them together. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. He calls them together. When Joshua had dismissed the people, the sons of Israel went each to his inheritance to possess the lamb. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great work of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the territory of his inheritance in Timothy heres in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. All that generation were also gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Our next section in our, on our worksheet there, if you have your worksheet, says, a forgetful people, a forgetful people. They didn't finish the job. They didn't obey. They didn't fully walk in obedience. And the Bible says in those verses, when Joshua and those leaders had died, they rebelled against God. The next section is called A Forgetful People, A Forgetful People. I'm going to read Judges chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Then, listen to this, the sons of Israel did evil, in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, the false gods. And they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed themselves down to them. They didn't push the people out. They started worshiping their false gods. Thus they provoked the Lord to anger. So they forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Asherah. Let me read chapter 3, verse 7. Keep going a little bit. The sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherah. All right, in those those verses, there's two important words, and they are this. The Bible says they forgot and they forsook. They forgot and they forsook. Now, forgot, we're going to look at those two words, Forgot, in Hebrew, it is accusative. Uh, It's not a positive thing to have said of you. It literally means they forgot to remember. And so these people, they forgot to remember. They neglected to remember. Now what that literally means is they forgot God. They forgot about his character. They forgot what he had done. His works, they forgot about his word, what, what he had told them to do. They actually forgot God. Can you imagine that? They forgot God. Now, hold on to that. Not only did they forget, Bible says they also forsook. They also forsook. In the original language, that translates to let go or left or depart from, disown, And then I I like this translation, to quit. So they quit God. They left him. They abandoned him. That's what it means. They, They were with him and they departed from God. They quit God. Now I want you to think about those two words. They forgot and they forsook. After all of their history with God, God says something that comes true. God's delivered in in might and power. God has been gracious to them. After all of their history with God, they forgot and they forsook God. Now that, that to me seems nuts. That to me seems crazy. If you walk across the Red Sea and your family talks about that and you tell the next generation about that, if you go and you enter the promised land by crossing the Jordan River and your family talks about that and they tell the next generation about that, If you talk about we walked around these walls and there were 10,000 valiant warriors there and we actually walked around it and it was the silliest thing you've ever seen. And on the seventh day, on the seventh trip, the walls fell down and we conquered that city. If you had heard all the things that God had done, if you remembered God, it seems absolutely crazy to forget God. It seems crazy to forsake God. How does that happen? And I think about that. Good grief, that's weird. How does that happen? I want to go back and read chapter two, verse seven. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua who had seen all the great work of the Lord which he had done for Israel. As long as Joshua was alive, they followed, they walked in obedience. As long as those elders that were alive with him were alive, they followed and they walked in obedience. As long as they could remember the works of God, they followed in obedience. But verse 10, all that generation were also gathered to their father. They eventually died and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Here's here's what happened. How do they ever forget God? How do they quit and forsake God? It's this. When they quit remembering who God was, when they quit talking about what God had done, when they quit teaching the truth of God, there very quickly became a generation that didn't know God. And I think, Man, wouldn't that take two generations, three generations, five generations? Wouldn't that take a hundred years? It actually took one generation. When one generation quit speaking of God, teaching of God, reminding of the greatness of God, there arose a generation that did not know God. The generation that knew God, here's what the verse says, they obeyed. This generation not knowing God walked in disobedience. They disobeyed. Verse 11, then, I'm going to go back to 10, all that generation were also gathered to their fathers, they died and there arose after them a generation who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Verse 11, then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers. Here's, Here's the truth out of that. We have to be diligent. We have to be careful to keep God at the forefront of our eyesight. And that's talking about me and that's talking about you. We have to remember who God is. We have to remember what his character is. We have to remember what his word is. Not just that, but then we have to also hold that up. We have to hold up to our kids, to our neighbors, to our grandkids, who God is, the character of God, the work of God, the word of God. We have to be diligent and careful to teach and to tell the next generation of God. We say, well, my kids are already raised. Well, I've already passed that time. Listen, we have to, each of us, we have to be diligent to say there is a living God and he loves us and he sent his son Jesus and in, in Jesus there is hope. He's the creator of all things. Your purpose is in him because he's your creator. We have to be careful to teach and to tell the next generation. Here's the deal. And as fast as we stop, it passes away. It goes away. Our world today, I I look around and I I think, I really can't imagine the fast clip that it's becoming absurdly evil. And I'm talking five years, ten years. Things you wouldn't have ever guessed. Things that our kids deal with and are faced with. Things that that are, are busting up homes and families. And you go, I couldn't have ever imagined that. As fast as we quit holding up the truth of God, you know what Satan does? He hammers down, he pours in the non-truth, and things come flying apart. They forgot, and they forsook. We have to be diligent. All right, next spot on your worksheet, a silly cycle, a silly cycle. We see this pattern. Now, Now watch this pattern. This is what the book of Judges is about. God's people forget. God's people rebel. Well, guess what happens when you forget and you rebel? They get into trouble. They run into trouble. God's judgment is upon them. The consequence of sin is upon them. They get into trouble. Well, guess what happens when they're in trouble? They cry out to God. Well, when they cry out to God, guess what? God answers and God saves. And so it's this cycle. We rebel, we forget, we get into trouble, We cry out for help, God sends help, and then the whole thing starts over. The book of of Judges, really it's a pattern all the way through the Old Testament, but especially here in the book of Judges. I want you to notice this, without bold leaders that would stand, the people start the process of forgetting and forsaking. And you watch that when you read this, every time there's a bold leader, we go this way. But when that leader's gone for whatever reason, they go a different direction. So there is a new stage in God's dealing with his people. A new stage starts here in the book of Judges. The people get into trouble, the people cry out, and God sends a judge, that's the new pattern. God raises up a judge to direct his people. The judge is supposed to remind them of God's word, the law, He's supposed to help them, or that judge is supposed to help them apply the law. That judge is supposed to call and lead them to return to God. And so it was God's grace to raise up a judge. It was a blessing to the nation to raise up a judge. They're back in trouble, they've got difficulties, they cry out for help. The new pattern is God's going to send a judge. Let me read some verses. Joshua chapter 2, verse 16, then the Lord raised up judges who delivered them from the hands of those who plundered them. Verse 18, when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed and afflicted them. All right, we're going to go through the book of Judges next couple weeks. The, the pattern of the book of Judges is this. It is the record of God's dealings with his people during this time through appointed judges. Um, we read these judges. We're going to talk about some of them. Some of them are very familiar to us. And I say, well, this guy or this woman, this person, you're going to recognize that judge. Some of them are absolutely absurd. And you read that account. I didn't know that account was in there. I didn't know that judge did this thing. But it is, it is this dealing, God dealing with his people through the leadership of judges. They, they rebel against the word of God. They get off track. They run into trouble. They cry out. He sends a judge, appoints a judge to save them. I want you to see this. This pattern, this silly cycle continues. Watch this. I'm going to read 16. I'll just tell you, 16, the Lord raises up judges who deliver from the hands of those who plundered them. God raises up judges, verse 17, 16, verse 17, yet they did not listen to their judges, for they played the harlot after other gods and bowed themselves down to them. They turned aside quickly from the way in which their fathers had walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do as their father's. Verse 18, God blesses them by giving them judges. Verse 19, but it came about when the judge died that they would turn back and act more corruptly than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not abandon their practices or their stubborn ways. God's correction, God's truth, The leadership of the judge, and yet the silly cycle is this. The people do not listen. The people forget. The judge dies, they go back. The judge is speaking, they do not listen. Here's this cycle. Here it goes. Lap after lap after lap. What in the world? Think about that. You're close, and then you're far. You obey, we're obeying God, and then you're disobedient. You honor God, we wanna hold up his name, and then you dishonor him. Here's the cycle, and it's gonna be the cycle of judges. We're gonna study it. In and out, up and down, close and far. Obedience, disobedience. All right, the next section on your worksheet is called so patient, so patient. And it's funny because we might miss this if we're not careful. We might miss this if we're not looking. As we move through these verses, and here we are, week 23, week 24, week 25, book of Joshua, now the book of Judges. As we move through the verses, you're probably saying, well, we we talked about Moses. We talked about Aaron, the mouthpiece for Moses. We talked about Joshua. Uh, We talked about Caleb. Uh, Now we get to this section. We talk about the Judges, and we're going to talk about their names and what they do. As we go through the verses, we see the Israelites. So, man, look at these people. Look at these folks. Look at these leaders. Look at this nation. But here's the part that we could miss if we're not careful. Do not lose in the story what we see about God. And that's really the whole thing. In these verses, God is revealing himself to us. He's showing us, this is what I'm like. This is what you can know about me. So do not lose in the story what we see about God. Now, I want you to think about that. What do we learn about God in these verses, all right? What do we learn about God in the book of Judges? They rebel against him. They forget about him. They forsake him. It literally means they quit him. And man, isn't he patient? That's what you see. Man, isn't he merciful? Man, isn't he gracious? What do we see when we read this account? He truly does love sinners. He truly doesn't want to crush them. He does really want to save them. He really doesn't want any to perish. Now, I read these accounts, and I wonder, at what point would you say that's enough? That's enough. Six times? Seven times? This judge? That judge? At what point would you say, that's it, we're done? You know what? God is gracious. He could have stomped them out. And it would have been right. They, they rebelled. They forgot. They quit him. But we see in these accounts, God is gracious, and God is kind, and he actually desires that none should perish. That's actually our God. He, if he wanted an object of wrath, he could have poured out wrath all over him. He sends another judge, and he sends another judge. He hears their pain. He sends another judge the bottom of your sheet, is Psalm 106, verses 43 through 45. Many times he would deliver them. They, however, were rebellious in their counsel and so sank down in their iniquity. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry, and he remembered his covenant for their sake and relented according to the greatness of his loving kindness. Another word that translates mercy. Let me read that again. Many times he would deliver them. They, however, were rebellious in their counsel, their wisdom, and so sank down in their iniquity. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry, and he remembered his covenant for their sake and relented according to the greatness of his loving kindness. God is gracious. God is patient. He truly desires to save and that none should perish. All right, one last point there on your sheet. It's, it's where we're going to wrap up tonight. And that is this. It doesn't have to be like that. And we're, we're moving along, and, and hey, we're getting ready to go to some judges, and we're going we're gonna to hear, hear some familiar judges and some familiar accounts. But I can't get too far from this before I think. Let's go back and think about one thing. You know what? It doesn't have to be like that. We see this cycle. Close to God, far from God. Saved from trouble, back in trouble. Walking with God, breaking your own heart. Doing well, crash and burn. Here's this cycle. And here's what I think we do. We think about them and we say, what's wrong with Israel? What's wrong with those Old Testament people? What's, What's wrong with them? How crazy are they? Those people are crazy. How sad is that? How sad is it to have a God that says, you know what, I want to walk with you and you rebel and go a different way? Do you ever see that cycle? In and out, close and far, obedience, disobedience. Do you ever see that cycle and think about you? Aren't we the same? Oh, those crazy folks, those Old Testament folks, those Israelites, why didn't they figure it out? Aren't we really the same? In and out, close and far, crash and burn, walking in grace, walking in rebellion. And I sit there and go, oh, I want want to talk about those people, and then I look at how we live. Aren't we exactly the same? Here's the deal, and there's a couple of things here. First thing is this, and, and, and I think, man, this is right here for us. First thing is this, God wants us to be saved also. And that's the first thing we take away from this. He raises up a judge, he wants to save him. He raises up a judge, he wants to save him. You know what he does? These are all foreshadowing Jesus. He raises up a savior and he saves us. And yes, we crash and burn. And yes, we do crazy stuff. Yes, we rebel against God. We forget God. We forsake God. We quit him. And he doesn't send us a judge. He sends us Jesus. It's the same heart of God who is kind and doesn't want any person to perish. So the first thing is this. This story, it's about us. The ups and downs, that's our description. You may think you're better than that. That's how we are. And God still loves us, and God has a Savior for us in the person of Jesus. That's the first thing. You're sitting here going, man, I'm dumb. Man, I keep making a mess of things. God is truly kind and gracious, and in the abundance of his mercy, he sends us a Savior in Jesus. But it's more than that, and this is the part I like tonight. The second thing to know is this. More than that, he wants to save us. He is a God of deliverance. But more than that, he pulls us out of that cycle. He wants us to come out of that cycle. He tells us that we can walk with him, that we can can walk in him, we can walk through him, and we can walk with him. Now, what that means is this. You do not have to live life on a yo-yo. In, out. Disobedience, obedience, crash and burn, pull it back together. God doesn't save us. Christ doesn't save us to go through life just crashing into walls, making a mess of things, walking around on fire. He doesn't call us to live like that. He wants us to walk with him. Now, I want you to notice this. Notice the difference And we're going to see it more, but notice already the difference. How do they find their salvation through the judges? How do they get close back to God through the judges? It's a reminder of the word of God. And so when the word of God is presented and they draw close to the word of God, guess what? They come out of their trouble and they get back and they live for the honor of God. When they listen and they heed the word of God, when they walk with God, God blesses it. If they get far away from God, guess what? Trouble is coming again. Here's here's the thing for us to know. Yes, he saves us. Yes, he's gracious. Yes, he forgives us. But he doesn't do that to put us in a life of just wreckage and trouble and chaos. He wants us to actually walk with him. The difference is how close we get to the word of God. Here's the thing. We're going to mess up. You're going to mess up, I'm going to mess up. You're going to fall short, I'm going to fall short. But listen to this. The frequency that those events happen become further apart. The size of the wreckage of those crashes becomes smaller the more time we spend in the Word of God. And so you know what? We don't have to crash into every wall. We don't have to make every mistake. We don't have to, to hurt other people. We don't have to hurt ourselves. Our answer is just like their answer stay close to the Word of God. And so, yes, He sends us a Savior to forgive us when we mess up. But you know what? He also gives us a Savior to walk with so we don't have to mess up. And so, we're sitting here today, we're hearing this lesson, and I'll just tell you the the whole point of the lesson is this stay in the Word of God, live according to the Word of God, direct your life following the Word of God, stay close. And those episodes are going to become further apart and the size is going to become smaller. God doesn't call us to crash into every wall. He gives us the grace to walk with him in joy and peace and happiness. Stay close to the word of God. All right, we're going to end right there tonight. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come, we're thankful for your truth, we're thankful for your kindness. And I pray, Lord, as we come and hear this lesson, that we would understand, we mess up, all of us. We sin, we rebel, we do unspeakable things, and yet you give us hope in Jesus, the forgiveness of our sin in Jesus, the removal of our shame and guilt in Jesus, a a roving of your righteousness in Jesus. We praise you for that. But then we also hear of the truth that you call us to be different and to have different hearts and different priorities. And you empower us to to walk, not having to go into trouble, not having to go back to the old ways, but in peace and in joy and in happiness as we walk with you. Lord, help us be in your word. Help us live according to your word. Lord, help our kids as they're learning to understand this is the foundation. This is the path to walk on. Help our youth. Lord, pull in so many dangerous directions. Help them see the peace and the joy that we have in the word of God. And then we just come and say, Lord, we thank you tonight. We worship you tonight. We praise you tonight. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Glad you're here. You're dismissed.